Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Huskies on Tap, a podcast for the Huskies by the Huskies, presented to you by Fatty's Pub and Grill and brought to you by On Tap Sportsnet. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on Twitter at BDON300, and you can follow our main account at Huskies on Tap. Today, we're going to be breaking down the 35-33 to 33 loss on the road to Toledo. Just a rough game, um, a game that we stayed competitive all the way down until Rocky was tackled on the last play, trying to scamper for a uh, field goal or trying to scamper, scamper for a first down for us to get in range for an attempt at a cannon Woodhill game winning field goal. Uh, wasn't in the cards for us, but I think for us, yeah, while we may not have won the game and it was a very winnable game and we'll get to some of the decisions and decision-making um, from the coaching I just think that it was one of those things where we talked where eventually it was going to be the offense was going to pop. The offense was going to pop. They're going to go for 30 points. Alex said on the show pregame that they could go for 30. Um, And he's a Toledo fan. So it was only a matter of time before this offense does what they do. And, you know, Ontario Brown had an 80 yarder. He had 16 carries for 152 yards. Rocky had a touchdown. Rocky had th- uh, two passing touchdowns. He almost got the 300 that I that I asked for. It's uh, like 22 yards short, 258 through the air, 26 on the ground. And he was 21 to 31 with a 74 QBR. And you got to remember, if you check the message boards, if you went on Facebook, if you went on Twitter last week, it was Ethan Hampton, Justin Lynch, Ethan Hampton, Justin Lynch, Ethan Hampton, Justin Lynch and a side of fire coach Hambick and Mr. Frazier, all that. That's all you saw all week, right? And Rocky can hold his chest high. He played a great game. Could have, you know, obviously if I, you know, we'll, we'll talk to him tomorrow. I'm sure he'll tell you there's a couple plays he left out there, but considering where he's been from the injury to give us 258 yards, to give us two touchdowns and one on the ground. I mean, he did everything he could. The game to me boils down to two plays and two plays in specific. Um, and it's, I mean, there's a lot more plays than that that are the reason we lost the game. But the two most pivotal plays in that game uh, were Brock Lampy fumbling it on the two yard line and Coach Hammock's play call on the two point conversion. The two point conversion play call was like, it was some reverse bullshit handoff to Trayvon Rudolph to where he had to throw the ball. And it's like, we already have an issue when like throwing the ball to begin with, right? Like we, we haven't been our best in passing the ball this season. So in a play that you're supposed to call the best of the best, the best play you have in the playbook, something you practice all the time. You can't have Trayvon Rudolph throwing that pass. That's all I'll say. And from my understanding is the person that normally ran the play was injured. So even furthermore, so don't run that play, figure something else out. The offense was doing fine, moving the ball, Rookowitz and Carter and all those guys were catching the ball well, and they were running the ball. Well, we had the most balanced attack we've had all season. We can't pull out a, a trick shot play to try and tie the game. And ultimately those are the two points we, weren't able to extend the game to overtime with, right? Like maybe 
the game plays out differently if we go to overtime or if we're able to get that two-point conversion, make it 35-35, but it wasn't in the cards for us. And I think, too, Brock Lampy's had such a great, great season, right? And I, it was the most ironic thing I think I've ever seen. It was like a commentator's curse. The second the announcers started talking, and it was right after he made a big play to, to set us up in the red zone, Lampy, they were talking about how great of a season he's had, how how well he's developed and all that, and almost as similar to when they're like, oh, this kicker hasn't missed a kick since Vietnam. And the next kick, like, you know, as he finishes the sentence, that kick is flying into someone's face in the stands. It's exactly what happened. Um, I hate it for Brock because he's played so well in a, in a role that no one really expected him to step up to the way that he is this year. He's He's catching passes. He's making blocks. He's running the football well. And he's been an intricate, intricate part of our offense. Um, one note that I didn't notice in the press conference in the lead up to this game or, or just anywhere else was that uh, Justin Lynch is redshirt. So weird situation. You get your four games out of them in non-conference. I would have liked to see those games used in the conference play. But, I mean, I'm not the head coach. There has to be a rhyme or reason as to why Coach Hammock and the coaching staff ended up doing that. But it's Rocky and Ethan and Nevin Kremaskoli for the way out. You know, the the wildcat formations and stuff that Justin Lynch was running the week before was being ran by Ontario Brown. And Ontario Brown did a great job. I'm almost positive that's how he broke off his 80-yard run. So, as Coach Hammock always says, uh, the next man up mentality is how this team operates. It's it's you just have to realize that it's a football season. Not everybody's you know you're not going to have the same twenty two that you started week one with at the end of the season. Injuries do happen. Players regress. Players on the compete team progress and, and end up taking jobs. Like it just is what it is. But for me in this game, it was. I don't know. It's the first time we've really seen our defense play like this. I know we gave up 35 to Nebraska, but again, that's Nebraska, you know, and, and Nebraska isn't, isn't good in, in any terms of the power five, but when you have 90,000 Nebraskans right behind you and you have more four and five star recruits than us, we're going to have to find it uh, in the heart. We're going to have to, you know, out, outwork you and do all that. And, Giving up 35 points in Nebraska is totally different than giving up 35 points at Toledo. So, and especially too, the first the first half really was a normal first half for an NIU game this year. It was 21 total points. We had seven, Toledo had 14. And then in the second half, the points started coming. And we still we were, you know, the one thing that that I'm not really worried about is that. Even in crunch time, when we had to move the ball, I know we didn't get all the way down there, but these type of moments, right, we haven't had that type of moment other than maybe the Tulsa game where you're coming, you're trying to come back late in the game. In Boston College, we were ahead. Southern Illinois, um, we were down all game, and and we didn't get it done, but – my thing is, is these are the type of moments that you have to have as, a, as an athlete. You need to throw that interception or you need to um, 
try to scramble and not make it there. You need these learning experiences so that at a later moment when it comes clutch time, you can make the play necessary that we need to win the football game. And we've seen these guys do that here in the past. It's just for whatever reason or not, it's really not clicking this year. But the fact of the matter is, is we're now in danger territory, right? We're now one and four. We're all in one in conference. Uh, we're going to need a lot of help to even try to get to Detroit. But at this point, and what I've been saying for the last few weeks is the, the expectations need to be tampered. We need to realize that this might not be a team that can get to Detroit as much as they may think they can and maybe they can. It's a long season. There's still seven games left in conference play. But Toledo's already 2-0. We're 0-1. Toledo will probably represent the West in the MAC championship unless we can get a serious amount of help. But in my eyes, too, the MAC's not very strong this year. It really isn't. Ohio is all right. They 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 played a tough non-conference. They have a good offense. I assume they'll figure it out. None of the three Michigan schools are anything this year. Central, uh, Western, or, or Eastern. Kent State's fucking terrible. Uh, Buffalo just won their first game of the year, and a year that maybe we thought Akron was getting a little bit better. They aren't. Uh, Bowling Green has been terrible this year, but of course Georgia Tech's also terrible, and the MAC owns them. And, and Bowling Green beat them this week. So uh, Ball State, middle of the pack, they just got smoked by Western Michigan. Like in my eyes, the conference this year runs through Toledo. We had a chance at them. We lost to them by two points. I would love to see them again on a neutral field when we are finally the team that we aspire to be this year because five weeks into the season and we still don't have an identity, right? The defense played well through the first four weeks. They did not play so well this past weekend. Shout out to Nate Volcarcel, uh for getting the, I think it was like a 58-yard scooping score that really changed the momentum and got us back in the game. And just talk about the level of play that that kid has come in and given our defense uh, in a time where C.J. Brown has been battling with injuries. We've been calling on him a lot. We've been calling on Jordan Hansen a lot. And both have answered the call very well. Um, the thing with Toledo is, is they just – they hit you in so many different ways. They had two different backs with 15-plus carries, both averaging five yards a clip. And the one – the Penny Boone guy was – like 6'1", 230 pounds. That's a big boy uh, running out there in space. Definitely going to be hard to tackle. Uh, the receivers ended up making big plays. Some of the guys that, that were mentioned on the pregame show by Alex, uh, Jawan Newton had two for 51 and a touchdown. Junior Vandeross had four for 147 and a touchdown. And I can't remember if it was Newton or Vandeross, but there was one in – it was either the third or the fourth quarter. It was immediately after we scored a touchdown and they just threw a bomb. And I'll use the analogy. If, if the Quan threat, if the Quan Finn used a grenade and threw it to, to his receiver, the only person that would have been affected by said grenade was the receiver. Cause there wasn't even a fucking referee or an NIU player within many yards of him. He got to the end zone untouched. And there were those small lapses in coverage. There was arm tackling and just stuff that we haven't seen from this defense this year. And that's all right. I mean, 
they have played us into every game that we've been into this season, and they had a bad game. I think they'll bounce back. It is what it is, but this comes down to, unfortunately, a freak accident fumble on the two-yard line and and the fucking worst two-point conversion play I've ever seen in my life. I think that the players can all leave Toledo knowing that they did damn near everything in their power to go out there and win a football game and that these mistakes happen throughout the course of the season. You can't be perfect. You can't always hold on to the football. You can't always convert your two-point conversions. But at this point right now, and and I've been a broken record player this season, it's gut check time. It is you have to figure out who this team is, what you guys want to accomplish week in and week out, and you just have to go out there and do it. Uh, The fan base – is still supportive. We, I mean, there's always going to be some assholes because we have um, a spoiled fan base in a sense that we've done a lot of winning and we're not used to this and we aren't like, we just, we have to find a way to assimilate and ascend into this new NIL and transfer portal era where I saw something that kind of resonated the other day where it's like, you can't really build the teams the way that you tried to build the teams because, you know, if a guy is too good for us, he will definitely go to a power five. So you're in this constant cycle of trying to catch a lightning in a bottle for a singular season. And if you look at the Mac championship, the last few years, you know, dating back to the time that we started the show, some of the champions that we've had ball state, us Toledo, like no repeat champions. So, it's a conference that there's always parity. It's a conference that you always have to stay on your toes. And it's a conference that these bigger schools use to pay. There's a reason why it's called the cradle of coaches. Like there are good coaches in this conference, good coordinators that end up moving their way up the ladder. But in my eyes, yeah, we may not have won this game. I'm not a moral victory guy and, and neither should anybody else be, but they found their – a little bit of their offensive stride this game, 186 yards on the ground as a team. Um, I'd like to see Gavin Williams get a little bit more involved. He only had three carries, especially in a week that we don't have Justin Lynch and then 258 yards through the air. So you got a little over 400 yards of total offense. You match their intensity. It's just, we didn't get enough stops and we're two points short and it sucks. Uh, if you're able to win that game, that's a huge momentum shift. You're only sitting at two and three. You're one game away from 500. Now we're in a constant battle of we need to get to 500, and we got seven weeks to do so uh, in order for us to go to a bowl game. And to be honest, like save some jobs because as much as you know, Coach Hammock is a great, great guy love him to death has always done right by me. This is a results driven business. If you don't win football games, you can't just stay the coach because you're a nice guy and you're a good relationship builder. I know we don't, you know, it's not as, it's not the same situation as a Rod Carey or someone that's, that's not an alumni because coach Hammock is one of our own. He is a Husky and we all want him to succeed, but for whatever reason or not, it's just not clicking. And for his sake, for for 
the program's sake, for, for everyone's sake, I really just hope that he can find a way to get to the six wins, find a way to figure out what he has that's going wrong within the team and fix it. Because like I said, the program is in a better place when you're run by one of your own. They hold it to a little bit of a higher standard because they ran through those those practice facilities and they ran out that tunnel on game day in front of the Husky fans. They know what it means to put the red and black on. And like I said, it's results driven. So you really just hope that the team can turn it around because if the team continues on the track that they are, it's it's not me being an asshole saying like, hey, we have to coach fire Coach Hammock. It's the fact of the matter. It's Division One college football. You either win or you're fired. That's it. it it's, it's, there's no participation trophy, trophies at this level. He does have a MAC trophy, uh, MAC championship trophy in the cabinet, so that does help his cause. But last year was unacceptable. The 2020 season with COVID, the 0-6 year was unacceptable. And if this team, the way it's currently constructed, these are all his guys, right? This isn't the leftover from, from Rod Carey. This is those players. These are Coach Hammock's guys then some tough decisions are going to have to be made. And it's unfortunate, but you might even have to look higher up. President president of the school, athletic director, all that. I mean, that's the type of stuff that I've been seeing on the message boards. I personally don't get involved in that type of uh, banter on Facebook and Twitter, but I definitely will read to see what everybody else is saying, and we'll talk about it on the show. But at the end of the day, it goes without being said. College football is a results-driven business, and if you don't win, you're looking for a new job. So it sucks. They know that I want them to win. They know that they want to win, so hopefully it's not a conversation that we have to revisit. But on the offensive side of the ball, I think you have to go with Ontario Brown. I know he wasn't able to find the end zone, but um, this season – Alex talked about how his yards per carry was only at 2.8 yards per carry going into this game. And after the fact, he he ran for 9.5 yards a carry on 16 carries. So it wasn't like he just had four or five carries and busted off a big one. This was consistent dominance for four quarters, 9.5 yards a pop with a long of 80 yards. I know he didn't get in the end zone. I know he wish he wishes he could have. Maybe it would have been a better – look to give him the ball instead of Lampy on the goal line, but we'll never know. And I think that for him, that was the confidence type game that he needed uh, to go on and have himself a great rest of the season. In addition, I do think that the receivers all stepped up. I'm not, I mean, I know Ontario will be the player of the game, but he had five catches from Casper, four from Trayvon, two from Jalen with one of those being a touchdown, two from Davis Patterson, a 28 and a 28 yarder from Barnes, a 26 yarder from Lippy or a 26 yarder from Lampy, 24 yarder from Dozier. So like the guys were getting chunk plays before this week, we were looking at bubble screens and bullshit. We couldn't throw the ball five yards past the line of scrimmage. We found a passing offense this weekend. Rocky answered the call. We were a couple plays short on offense, but I think that if we were to tell our fans that we were going to have 33 points in this game, I think everyone would have signed up. Now, we obviously needed 36 to win the game, but this is a team that's averaging 13 points throughout the season. I haven't had an offensive person on the show at press conferences all season long 
just due to the fact that it's like, what am I going to talk with them about? You know what I'm saying? Like I already talked to the offensive players in Rocky and JJ and, and, and we'll talk with Nolan tomorrow night at fatties, but like, I can't, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to have storylines and stuff like that when they're not producing. So maybe this week uh, at the press conference, I will grab one of the offensive players and we'll have an all offensive week because we will be back at fatties on Tuesday. I apologize for anyone that made it out to fatties last Tuesday. There was a, a last second cancellation. Fatties had an event that they had scheduled prior um, that I guess we kind of just let slip by the wayside and, before I knew it, it was Tuesday, and I was scrambling to call Nolan off, call Rocky off, and and just push everything the next week. So it is what it is, but I'll buy you a beer if, if you were out in attendance and we weren't there. I do apologize, but we will be back uh, tomorrow night and, and for the rest of the weeks leading up to midweek action. But um, it's just tough, and now the offense has that game of momentum that they can use to build on Let's try to put together back-to-back good performances and try to put together as many good performances with that unit as we can for the rest of the season. The defense had one of the, you know, probably their worst game of the season. But like I said, through four weeks, they didn't they didn't misstep once. They crossed their T's, they dotted their I's. And I know that we were able to get turnovers in this game. Nate Valcarcel found the end zone late late in the third quarter. Uh, to get us back into the game, but the blown coverages, the arm tackles, just the kind of stuff that we hadn't seen from this unit this year, but we've seen in years past is what we saw out there on Saturday. And I'm just going to chalk it up to one bad performance. I think they'll get back to what they need to do uh, this upcoming week and get back on track. But on the defensive side of the ball, it go you know, another, it goes without being said, you go with Nate Valcarcel. He had the scoop and score touchdown. That was a very big momentum play in this game. He had four total tackles with one solo. Um, and, you know, if we don't get that touchdown right there, it's it, you have to put together another drive, take a lot of time, all that stuff. And we were able to get quick points, one play, heads up play. I don't think anybody else knew that the ball was on the ground but him. So, I actually worked out perfectly because he went into the end zone untouched. I had a play like that in my playing career, and uh, I got tackled on the five-yard line by the quarterback. So hats off to Nate for finishing that one off in the end zone. I know he must have been pumped for that. And the, the secondary coaches and defensive coordinators have to be really excited with the growth that he's shown throughout this season. Uh, the high for tackles on the day was the Dolph man, Mr. Jaden Dolphin, seven total for solo. And we – didn't have our best performance, but we will get back to it, and this unit will be back to performing at a high level. It is what it is. It's one week. We will be back. Um, like I said, so this week we'll be back at Fatties. We'll have a pregame show for you guys with uh, whichever interview that we grab tomorrow at the Chessick practice facility. But uh, would you look at that? We play against Akron. I bet on them last week. They lost me my money. They looked like shit. Um, they played two different quarterbacks, similar to what we've seen with Toledo. Uh, so I guess we'll just have to kind of see what coach tells us, uh, what they see in the film room and what the players tell us. But another week that we might have to prepare for two different quarterbacks. But this is a game that 
we got absolutely smoked in last year, and we never lose to Akron, much less lose to them by like 50 or however much it was that we lost that game by, you got to win this one, especially after I talk shit about them in the beginning of the show. Have to find a way to win this one. We only have two more losses that we're allowed for the rest of the season in order for us to go to a bowl game, and the schedule is as follows. Akron, Ohio, Eastern and Central, all three Michigans, Eastern, Central, and Western Michigan. Ball is not a state, and Kent is also not a state. Kent State's a win. Akron should be a win. Uh, The two directional Eastern and Central Michigan should be wins. We'll probably lose to Ohio. And that so that leaves us needing two wins between Ohio, Ball State, and Western Michigan. So find a way one week at a time to get to six wins. Uh, I you could put the egg smashed in my face gif when we post the podcast because I said this was a team that could get to 10 wins, and that, that's not happening, unfortunately. The most that we can get at this point in the season is eight, and we would have to run the table, and as much as I would like for that to happen, I just don't see it happening. But as far as Saturday games go, we have three more Saturday games this season um, at Akron, and then two home games, Ohio and Eastern Michigan. And then midweek matching starts on Halloween. It's actually pretty cool. I don't think in the four years that we've done the show that it's ever started on Halloween. So make sure you got the candy bowl uh, set outside the front stoop so you don't have to go back and forth to the front door for that one, and uh, you'll be ready to roll for that battle against Central Michigan. But like I said, we'll be back out with you guys at Fatty's this week. We'll have a pregame show with um, – we'll try to get an offensive player for you guys this week. And then, yeah, I will not be traveling to Akron, but I'll be doing the tweets all day on Saturday as I just do not work Saturdays this year. And it's been nice to be able to watch the games and just take in another season of Husky football. But as always, we do appreciate you for listening to this show, to this episode of Huskies on Tap. We'll be back with you guys multiple times throughout the week. Uh, Give us a follow on social media at Huskies on Tap and at Beat on 300. We appreciate you all. Huskies drop this one to Toledo in tough fashion on the road, 35 to 33. Be back with you guys tomorrow. And go Huskies. I got drinks of living lips in the kitchen whipping magic. I got drinks of living lips in the kitchen whipping magic. We got London on the track. I ain't asked now for nothing. I took the heart away. Twelve put me over, coming with it. They took my heart away. Heart away. Heart away. Heart away. Jumping in hard.